Hey, girl. Picture this. You, your comfiest PJs, and a phone call with your absolute BFF. Well, guess what? The Mom Betch Podcast is your new virtual girlfriend on speed dial, serving up all the real talk, laughter, and support you need. Go to www.mombetch.com and stream where you listen to your podcasts. Mom Betch Podcast is ready for you. Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Hello, dear parents. Today, we're talking about the challenges many immigrant parents face trying to maintain the traditions and expectations that are rooted in their upbringing while simultaneously trying to adapt to the culture their teenagers are now learning to navigate. This cultural dissonance frequently results in communication gaps, misunderstandings, and the potential for intergenerational trauma. Today, I'm joined by Amy Yip, a somatic life transformation and mental fitness coach. First, Amy and I are going to talk about recognizing and healing from our intergenerational wounds. Then I'm going to ask Amy for some strategies for finding that delicate balance between respecting our own heritage while embracing the ever-changing and at times quite overwhelming culture of today. So welcome, Amy. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, absolutely. And first, I want to hear a quick backstory. What inspired you to focus on intergenerational trauma? It is, I I think I just fell into it. It was because I started seeing a lot of my clients kind of have these experiences. So probably three years ago, I, I, the, the story that really sticks out for me three years ago, I was working with a client, 55 year old Chinese American senior vice president at one of the largest banks in America. And she came to me because she was trying to figure out what do I want to do next in my life? What do I want to do next in my career? And as we were exploring, she discovered, I want to do something creative and I want to start my own business. When we continued our coaching work, She then said to me, oh, but Amy, I've got to wait till my father passes away. And I said, what makes you believe that? And she said, well, because when I became senior vice president, he said, great, and you're going to be president next. And around my father, I go into little girl mode where Mm -hmm. I'm just so afraid of disappointing him. I want to meet his expectations. And I don't like that criticism, right? It brings me back to my childhood days. And when we were talking about, could she have conversations with her father? Could she talk about her current dreams? She's like, nope, I am just so afraid I cannot do it. And I started seeing this pattern among a lot of my own clients where they would go into what they, they each called it little girl, little boy mode around my parents. And they would either choose to pursue the thing that they wanted to pursue, but then lie to their parents about it or withhold the truth. Or they would just hold off and not do it. And they're like, I'm just going to wait. And I started wondering, what are the stories that I have about my parents? What are the the things that I'm withholding from my own parents? I thought I was all good because I've done so much self-work, self-discovery, yeah. you know, had coaches and therapists. And I'm like, surely there's nothing there. And then when I sat down, I'm like, 
oh, there's still a lot there. Everything from my success will never be good enough for my parents, Mm or I'll never be able to repay them for all the sacrifices, just all these stories. And this was amidst COVID. This was, um, you know, when AAPI hate crimes were on the rise. Mm -hmm. And I was actually stuck overseas in Ghana because borders were closed and I was stuck there. And there was part of me that was afraid of, am I going to get to see my parents again? And what if they get COVID or what if something happens? So I called my dad up and I wanted to learn about his own history and his experiences and same with my mom. And that was when I started learning and uncovering intergenerational trauma and Mm -hmm. understanding that our parents' stories, their experiences can transfer down to us both biologically and through the environment that we're raised with because they learn survival strategies and then they create an environment based on how they do that, right? And that impacts us. And so I started discovering that learning about my parents' experiences and and their traumas and hearing their stories helps me to better understand what is mine and what is not. So let's clarify real quick and define what you mean by this internet or intergenerational. I keep on saying intergenerational <laughs> trauma. What does that look like? What is what is that? Yeah, uh, it is essentially trauma that gets passed down from generation to generation to generation. And I was listening to this research and it was so fascinating because if you think about it, the egg from your mother that produced you existed when your mother was in your grandmother's womb. Mm. So the experiences that your grandmother had when your mother was in her womb is already having an impact on the egg that will become you today, right? And so they have done research on survivors of uh, the Holocaust, of 9-11 survivors. And what they found is that like the mothers who survived it later when they had children, the cortisol levels were impacted in the children Mm. and it continued into grandchildren, right? And so they're able to say, okay, yeah, biologically it does that. And then there's been all these research on what kind of adaptation survival style do we develop from the trauma itself. And it could be where you numb yourself. It could be where you are in this mindset of, I must just succeed and overcome this thing. It could be a denial that it ever happened and disassociating from anybody else who's been through that. So it could be all kinds of things. And that impacts how you raise your kid and the environment and what you teach your children. So it's both biological and environmental. And that gets passed down. And so a lot of this, the stuff now that I used to wonder, where did I get this from? Mm-hmm. I heard all these stories of my parents and the experiences they had, the starvation, the, you know, just the losses. And I'm like, oh, I get it now. I yeah. get where that's from. And that's not mine to carry. So I want to I want to kind of break it down into two pieces. I want to first discuss how does this intergenerational trauma and the impact just, you know, it's not just trauma it causes it, but there's just the impact that we had from our childhood. You know, our parents, a lot of the parents I work with, their first generation or their kids are first generation. And so there's a lot on them that comes from the culture that they came from and a lot of expectations. And like you were saying, the expectations their parents have on them. I've heard of several of my clients that have gone back and to visit and have had to like 
prepare everyone for what their kids are like, right? Because there's such a difference. So I want to first talk about how does it impact our parenting right now when we're trying to find that balance between respecting what we valued growing up and we were taught to value versus what we're seeing in the culture and what our teens are pressing back on us saying, but that doesn't work here. Yeah. I, I can share from my own experience and my parents' experiences and, and conversations that I've had with my own parents. So for example, in our Chinese culture, in the family that I grew up, we were taught community first. You put others first. Mm-hmm. You don't ask for your needs. That would be selfish. You prioritize everybody else, right? You don't speak up. You don't need to get into trouble you just work hard and people will recognize it. Yeah. It sounds right. awesome. I think most parents would love for their kids to do that. Right. Yeah. And, and and that's that is the expectation. And and there's also this expectation you become a doctor, lawyer, engineer. Right. I see that and, a lot. And and you know, it doesn't work. So I was in corporate America. And for example, my last job was at Google. You have to nominate yourself for promotion, which clashes with the concept wow. of oh, you, you just work hard and people will notice, well, you, that's not going to happen in this environment. And throughout my career, I was told, Amy, you need to self-advocate. You need to tell the leadership what you're working on. You need to self-promote like all this stuff. And, and I was leading a global team and I constantly was told you need to lead from the front, which conflicts with what my parents had taught me of, but it's community-based, right? Yeah. It's all of us, not just you. And that was a huge conflict. And I talked to my parents about this of like, okay, so you taught me all this stuff, but it doesn't work in this culture. And what my parents said is we taught you based on what we knew, what worked for us when we came here, because when we came here, there was not a huge Asian population. We didn't want to get in trouble. We just needed to survive, right? It was a very survival mindset. And that actually came from their parents because they grew up in an era where it was all about survival. My dad said, just to have food in your belly and not be hungry was a good day. Wow. Right. So it's all about survival. And so my father said to me, what we taught you was based on what we know, but now you need to take that information, understand the environment you're in and adapt. It's like Darwinism, right? Adapt. Learn what to take and learn what to leave behind. It doesn't mean that you're not respecting your past culture and and what we've taught you, but it's learning to adapt in different situations. And it's also about being able to flex your muscle, have both of those skill sets because they're both necessary in different situations. It's just, you have to decide which one to use in which situation. There's not a use it at all times. And so that has really stuck with me on, on his concept of adaptation. And I, when I asked him about the doctor, lawyer, engineer, it was the same thing. He said, we taught you based on what we knew back then. Doctor, lawyer, engineer was the most stable job. It's what we knew that everybody would always need. And who knew that one day you would be able to sell books online and call it Amazon, (laughs) right? (laughs) Who would have known this? And so now that there is such a thing as Amazon, go get a job at Amazon. That's okay. You don't have to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer anymore. I I love Amy. I think what's really important there is we're not saying, and you're not saying what you did growing up and, and what was important growing up was wrong. It was what was right then 
Mm-hmm. It was what was needed then. It's which isn't necessarily what is needed now. So I think that gives us some freedom or flexibility to say, okay, changing doesn't mean we're saying that that it was wrong. We're not we're not condemning that, but we have to think about what is best for our kids now. So how do we now shift from and I mean, when it's embedded in us when we're kids, it is embedded in us, right? It is hard to see beyond that. How do parents handle it when their kids are coming home and their behavior, what they want to wear, what they want to become in life, their attitude towards school is just completely clashing with everything that we were taught growing up? How do we handle this? A couple of reflections <laughs> on that. One is knowing that we might be wrong or we might just not be right in this moment, right? And a lot of times as parents, we want to, to believe, well, our values and the things that we've learned are the right thing. And they could have been the right thing for us at the time that we were living in or growing up in. And maybe it's just not the case today, right? Mm-hmm. The world is constantly evolving and changing. Change is the only constant. And so how do we open up and learn about our kids? What is their life like today? right? What are they going through? And it's all about being open and curious. Because if you think about when your parents tried to change you or tried to make you follow rules, how did you respond? Not well, I was grounded a lot personally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, and so it's just knowing that when you try to force things on people, it's not going to work. What does work is having open, honest conversations, really showing them that I want to understand you. I want to listen to you and I want to hear where you're coming from so that we can actually have a conversation about this. And I honestly believe that, you know, at the end of the day, whether you're a parent or the kid, all you want is to be loved, to be accepted and to belong. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the things that I see a lot of parents struggle, and this isn't just parents from that have immigrated over here. This is parents in general that are struggling within the culture war is our culture growing up, even in America, is very different from the culture now and trying to, you know, create this just connection between the two. And I think one of the things that I see, which is even more so for a lot of immigrant parents, is this level of respect and how kids and adults interact. And this is becoming a very, very big issue. What do you have to say about that. I'm going to just leave it there and let you (laughs) tease that out because there's so much. (laughs) I think there's, there's true respect and then there's the like fake respect. So you can try to force your kids to respect you and they might pretend to do that in front of you, but do they really? Right. And it it's even the, the thought that comes to mind is corporate America, where you have true leaders and then you have the managers that just manage people. And in front of and for managers that are just you know, using their power on people, people are going to pretend in front of you that they respect you, but they really don't. Yeah. And then there's the leaders where they inspire people to follow. And that's where true respect comes from. So even as a parent, it's what kind, and you're a leader in many respects, right? How do I want to show up as a leader? Do I want to just be micromanaging my child or do I want to be a leader that really inspires my kid? And and there's a difference there. Yeah, there, there definitely is. And it's interesting because a lot of studies show that 
the number one reason people will leave their jobs is because of their managers and usually their micromanagers. Yeah. We micromanage our kids a lot. I see that a lot, but our kids can't quit. <laughs> so they're <laughs> stuck. So instead we get attitude, which is really them saying and saying, you know, I feel controlled and micromanaged. And so finding this line again, because we're not saying just let kids do whatever the heck they want. That is not what we're saying at all. And we're not saying kids are always right at all, right? We're not saying, oh, I need to let go of everything I believe and accept everything my teen believes. We're not saying that either. So what are we saying? Be firm and kind. Stand your ground, stand your ground, but also show kindness and respect to your child. Yeah. Right. It's about how do you come to that middle ground? And sometimes the middle ground might be closer to your side. Sometimes it might be to your kid's side, but it's being open to the fact that sometimes I'm not correct. Sometimes I don't fully understand. Sometimes my solution is not the right one. And it's about mutual respect. It's not just, I need my kid to respect me. They're not going to respect you unless you also respect them, unless you're kind to them. If you're kind to them, they'll be kind back to you. Yeah. A hundred percent. Now let's say that we're here and we're going, okay, I have learned and I'm accepting my teen. I realize that they're very different than I was growing up and the rules are different growing up and I'm learning to adapt. And now I'm going back to meet with my own parents And I know my parents are going to judge the heck out of my kids because they're going to just think that I have let it all go. They're going to judge everything I've done as a parent. Help us. How do we manage that line between going back to our own teen person, right? Like, of course we do. And still supporting our kids. I love that question. And, you know, my whole book is around how do you have conversations with your parents? And I think it starts with opening up the lines of communication with your parents. Mm -hmm. It starts with trying to understand them. And it's the same thing I said earlier about trying to understand your kids. It's the same thing with going to your parents. And instead of automatically assuming they're going to judge me and they're going to be like this, it is trying to let put aside those stories because that's that's part of it. We all live in stories. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes when we look at our parents, we live in the stories from when we were children. And it is recognizing that we change over time. So do our parents. They're not the same people. And it it is going to them and learning about who they are. What were their life experiences like? Who are they as human beings today? And I I tell people, don't go in with the intention of, I want to change them. I want them to understand me. I want them to understand how I'm raising my kids. None of that. It is, can I go in to understand why they are the way they are? What are their life experiences? What were they taught? And the interesting thing is when I had conversations with my own dad, we were talking about dating Right. And, and, um, basically all his daughters rebelled against his requirements for, <laughs> for partners. And when I started talking to him about his mother's expectations, she had, she had expectations of what kind of girl he would date. And I was like, so did you listen? He's like, nope, no. <laughs> and I was exactly. like, oh, okay. So shouldn't you understand, you know, why we didn't listen? And 
And that was like a light bulb moment for him. He's like, oh, Mm. I get it. Right. But it's how do you open up those lines of communication and the stories and the experiences so that you can create that understanding instead of going in and saying, how come you don't understand why I'm raising my kids the way that I'm raising them? Or, you know, you should just love your grandkids. That's just not going to work. How do we turn it around too and support our teens when, because a lot of times, our parents aren't quite as open as yours are and are saying we're, there is no way to change. Like they are very rooted in it and understandably so. So how do we now support our teens in a situation where they may feel very judged and rejected by the family? I always say that with like my own kid, it is, I cannot control what everybody else does, but what I can do is teach my kid self-love and teach my kid that there will be people who will not like you. There will be people who won't accept you. And it is not about you. It yeah. is about them. It yeah. is about them, their stories, all, all the things that they're living in. And it is not about how wonderful you are. And you just need to love you. And I love you for you, right? Not for your perfections, not for what, you know, I will love you for you. And it's helping them to know that you're, you've got their back and that they're amazing and wonderful just the way they are. That is so important and so huge that I want to reiterate that this is not about trying to change your kids to be acceptable to everyone else. This is about understanding your kids and accepting them for who they are already. And yeah. that's where the self-esteem comes from. And that's where the mutual respect comes from. Yeah. That's a big change. I think a lot of people are just very focused on changing their kids to be accepted rather than accepting their kids. Yeah. And and you know what? I work with so many people who come to me and they have such harsh inner critics and that inner critic voice formed at some point in their childhood because their caretaker, their parents told them, you need to be this way. Yeah. And that wasn't how they want it to be. And they force themselves to be that way. And so that voice is constantly telling them, oh, you're too loud or, oh, you're doing this too much to whatever. Right. Yeah. And you need to be a different way to be accepted. And so knowing that, you know, what kind of environment do we want to create for our kids so that they grow up and they're not constantly in this mode of, I can't really be authentic and show up as who I really am. Yeah, that is so incredibly important. And it is something that I consistently hear too, um, from kids that too, and from parents, I'm two, I'm two, I'm two. And that is a thing that when you're self-editing yourself constantly, you can never be authentic and, and confident in who you are. And then that shows up in a lot of different behaviors. Yep. So Amy, what is something that we haven't discussed that we really, you really want parents to know or understand? I believe that that self-love piece also comes back to ourselves. Mm. It's part of why we want our kids to be accepted or why we care that our our own parents are are loving and accepting of our kids or we don't want them to judge us in how we're raising our kids is because of the own the, the voices that are in our own heads telling us oh but you need to be a good parent oh but you need and this is what a good parent looks like or whatever that is right and a big element of that is the discomfort of criticisms from, from the external world. And it's the internal criticism. Yeah. 
And so quite learning to love ourselves, no matter what, you know, we are all as parents, perfectly imperfect (laughs) and it's embracing all of that. Right. And, and all parents will make mistakes. I tell my kid that all the time, like mommy's going to make a mistake one day. And I hope, you know, I'm doing my best and I love you. Right. And it's just recognizing we're going to mess up and it's okay. We're human beings daily, daily. Yes. And I have a teen daughter, so she loves to point that out, (laughs) (laughs) which is fine because it's true. Yeah. So Amy, how can people find you? They can find me uh, on my website amyyipcoaching.com. So that's A-M-Y-Y-I-P coaching.com. I'm also on LinkedIn and that's Amy C. Yip. Perfect. I will put all that information in the show notes. Thank you, Amy. I am so grateful you could join us today. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. And thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. I appreciate you too. If you found this episode enlightening, take a quick second to click the follow button, then forward it to a friend that could use it too. If you want more information on how to best support your teens, you can download my 10 top tips for raising teens at askdrcam.com slash parenting tips. Until next time, stay curious. Remember, there's always more to the story than what you see. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.